up and welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. How's it going? I am Jeremy Rushing, and alongside me, as always, Mr. Dominic Jose Bazonio. Dom, how are we doing? I'm, I'm doing great. Got a little bit of a, a, a different setup today, so hopefully no, no technical issues on my end. Apologies if that happens. Uh, but yeah, uh, doing well and lots of lots of soccer stuff going on this this week so even even though all the leagues i cover are pretty much ending there's still somehow a lot to talk about so uh mm-hmm. yeah look, looking forward to that yeah just a peek behind the curtain here so dom isn't at his normal recording space uh so to try to ensure that we limit the technical difficulties we have we have our cameras off so we're sacrificing seeing each other's faces for the good of the podcast this week. So <laughs> hopefully uh, hopefully it still uh, turns out the way that we want it to. But yes, this is episode 101, well in the triple digits now in terms of episode count, which is pretty crazy to think about. Thank you to everybody who's helped us get to this point with your support. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast feed, please do. Also, if you haven't uh, left us a rating and review on your preferred platform, you can do that as well. I guess Spotify has a rating system now. So if you listen on Spotify or do you just have access to Spotify, if you could leave us a five-star rating on there, that would be awesome. And as always, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Soda SOC. Soda SOC, short for Soda Soccer. We are presented by SodaSoccer.com, your new home for soccer coverage in the north. Everything from Minnesota United to Minnesota Aurora to Minneapolis City to the lower leagues and everything in between. We'll be doing some uh, college soccer coverage this fall as well in the local scene. So a lot going on at SodaSoccer.com. So make sure you're staying up with everything happening in the world of Minnesota soccer there, SOTASoccer.com. We also have a Patreon, which you can uh, support us and get a bonus podcast each week. If you support us there at Patreon.com slash SodaSoccer, uh, subscribing in the $5 tier or higher gets you that bonus podcast. But you can support us for as low as $3 if you like as well. And speaking of bonus podcasts, Dom, a little tease, another Soccer team in Minnesota could be moving up the ladder a little bit and joining a top pre-professional league. Uh, so that's a little tease for um, so so kind of a I guess a scoop version, if you will, of the uh, 10K Stoppage Time podcast. So make sure that you are following us on Patreon, supporting us on Patreon, so you can get that content. Patreon.com/slash/SodaSoccer. But here on the regular podcast, Dom, a lot to get to this week. Um, so let's jump right into it. I say a lot to get to, there's still a lot to get to, but far more or less than what's usually on our docket. But, uh, I still think we'll have no problem filling out an hour for this week's podcast. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. And as always, um, you know, we're going to kick things off with the top story in Minnesota soccer, which is usually Minnesota United related, but we're actually going to switch gears and talk about Minnesota Aurora this week to kick things off. Unfortunately, falling short. Of the 2022 USLW League title, falling 2-1 to one to South Georgia Tormenta in the final. I was there at TCO Stadium for the final. Just a, a very well-played match. Everything you would want in a league final. But unfortunately, it is Aurora falling short. And the difference maker was Jada Nyby for South Georgia. Only a couple of goals on the season coming in. But she gets two on the night in the final. Gets the opening goal to put South Georgia up 1-0. Um, and then ends up with the OT winner. But in between that, we get an absolute banger from Addie Simmons uh, for the equalizer uh, late in the first half. So a lot of excitement 
Um, everything you would want in a final. I think even the players on Aurora's side were were saying after the match that you know this is this is what you dream of when you play in a final, a match like this, this this much excitement, this much back and forth. But it is uh, the Minnesota side falling just short of that dream, uh, you know, completing that dream season. But all in all, I mean, still uh, an incredible first year for Aurora. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it Minnesota. I think found themselves in a, a difficult position in regard to this match because, and, and this is often what happens to teams who are, have a year where they achieve at a really high level. And, and, and especially if it's your first year that kind of um, multiplies everything, but they've had such a wildly impressive year on and off the pitch in basically every department. Uh, for, I'm not sure you could have planned a better first uh first competitive season other than just this one night where it didn't quite you know go the way they would have liked and so it ends on 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 a little bit of that sour note although it was encouraging to see a a lot of people uh in and around the club uh, you know react with a largely positive uh, tone uh but so yeah you know you you have you have one rough night and 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 not that rough of a night to be honest you know one one at full time then you get that that ot goal it was a very close match uh, aurora with chances to to win it and chances to to equalize again that just didn't work out uh, for them uh but again for me even if they had won this game i think the, the bigger message for me would have just been wow you know what a impressive season just in every department in terms of course the, the player quality was great the branding was great the, the fan base that was developed was, was, was fantastic and consistent, which is a very hard thing to do. And, of course, the, the media engagement and just sort of the general uh, energy that, that spread across to a degree across the country for this team uh, was just so impressive. And, uh, you know, this is year one. I can only imagine what year five or, or ten would look like for this project. Um, you know, we, we talked a lot before their season started about how we wondered if, if, you know, this would be laying the groundwork at some point for a professional team of some sort. Um, mm-hmm. Now that there's going to be a couple professional women's leagues in, in, in the United States. And after seeing how much they were able to do with literally just one year of, of I'm going to call it amateur. I know that the US, USLW league uses other terms, but it is, am, it is an amateur league. No one's being paid. Um, no, the players are being paid rather. Um, for one year of amateur soccer to get this far is insane. Yeah. Uh, and it leaves me, it, I don't think it changes anything about how, like how much evidence there is or whatever about whether or not they would want to go professional more. What it changes for me is why would they not do it? Why would you not do it with what you clearly have? Uh, and so that that's exciting to, to think about for the future. But anyways, you know, just back to the point, what a year, what an impressive year, even on this night where you finally do lose that game still a tight result obviously against a very good opponent um and you know tons of fans show up and players show up in, in a lot of moments so just just really impressive really impressive from, from start to finish from Minnesota Aurora I, I hope that the fact that it ended on this note doesn't hurt the players too much and that uh, they can get back you know a lot of this group for next season and, and find ways to improve because clearly just such a high potential project that they that they have going here there was an interesting quote from uh, head coach Nicole Lukic after the game 
um, she was asked about just kind of the, the emotions of the match and playing in a final like that. And she, and she said, you know, you, she said, quote, you try to keep it together the whole time, but a lot's on the line and everyone knows that. I think that maybe got the best of us a little bit today. It's just that extra pressure, extra added pressure, I should say. Um, we wanted it really bad, and that's why we love soccer so much. It doesn't always roll our way, but we're still walking away very proud of what we built this year, and we'll be back uh, from and we'll be back next year. So what what that tells me is, you know, Minnesota Roar has sort of been looked at as this beacon of uh, of hope or a beacon of what women's soccer could be, um, and that you know starts here locally with the support that they've gotten. You know, over six thousand. Um, on hand for a um, for a, a final like this, but it also extends nationwide and even worldwide, right? I mean, people look mm-hmm. at Minnesota Aurora and the the support that they're getting and how they're doing things. Um, people see that as like, oh, well, that this is an indicator that Minis- that, that women's soccer is in demand, you know, not only here in Minnesota but but nationwide, and it can expand and sort of you know, and so when you're sort of carrying the flag like that so to speak mm-hmm. and you get to this point i have to imagine that even though all you know all the girls on this team and all the coaches were you know talking endlessly after the match about how much fun they had this summer and how you know they're going to miss some of their teammates who are going off to college and the pros and whatever um and how they're you know have this bond for life i have to imagine that at some point that that pressure and that almost responsibility um can 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 weigh on you a little bit and wear on you. And when your season extends into a final like that, I feel like that only becomes more and more prevalent. Not to say that that maybe impacted the result of the match, but I just thought that quote from Nicole kind of really kind of shined a light on maybe, you know, some of that pressure that they were feeling. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. That's, that's a lot to, um, that's a lot to have on your mind. And, and, and yeah, I remember this is that uh, weight on the shoulders is on the shoulders of, of athletes who are, are young, who are, uh, you know, college athletes at, at, at the highest um, of, of levels in the roster, right? None of these players are, are longtime professionals who've been doing this a long time. And, and so you see that all the different sort of versions of, of this level of the game, men's and women's different leagues that exist for this kind of, level this is a lot for these players to deal with and often when they get onto a a good team that has a good season like this and gets a lot of hype and a lot of attention for a lot of them it's the first time they've ever dealt with it Mm -hmm. um and and you know you certainly in the case of minister aurora you add on the fact that there's this whole narrative or 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 you know i mean very real world fact of, of what this team can mean specifically uh, in terms of, of women's soccer and, and, and female athletes. And so that's, that's even more for these, these players to kind of manage and navigate in their heads. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's a lot to deal with. It's a lot to deal with. Um, the fact that they got this far dealing with it, I mean, shows that they clearly have the mental strength and that they can handle it. But yeah, you know, in a final, you're, you're dealing with a South uh, Georgia Tormenta organization who, you know, has pro teams that it fields out, not, not this team, but um, obviously in USL league one, and this is an organization with a lot of experience at that sort of lower league level. Um, it's, it's not probably, you know, it's a, it's the kind of team that is probably suited to take advantage of, of, uh, of an Aurora side that maybe has a lot in its mind. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's a tough one, but 
the fact that they got this close is is, is really encouraging to reflect the the mental strength uh, in in, in uh, tandem, of course, with physical strength and, and all that and athleticism, uh, and and it sets up, I think, a very optimistic outlook for you know what twenty twenty three, for example, will uh, will look like. So, yeah, again, I mean, uh, to, to 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 not lose until the very last game, which happens to be the final, and to, to lose so narrowly. I mean, not even losing regulation time. They never lost a game in regulation time. Uh, to, to do all that is is there's there's nothing for me to criticize there. The the winning wow. goal was was a crazy one. There's there's really nothing for me to criticize uh, on the pitch for for this team really start to finish. No, not at all. And and you brought up an interesting point on kind of what the future looks like for Minnesota Aurora. This is only year one, right? Um, right. It's it's interesting to think about what what could happen down the road, specifically in 2023. You know, I was talking to uh, goalkeepers coach Cassie Ulrich uh, uh, on Sunday evening, uh, which you can check out that interview on our YouTube channel or our podcast feed here. Um, and she's mentioned, hey, if they'll have me back in 2023, I would love to come back and and be part of this once again. I think that's a lot of people's opinions now, uh, and who who were on the team, both on the on the field and in the coaching box as well. But you also got to think about what's next for some of these players too. Um, Coach Lukic had had mentioned that there will be a handful of of announcements of Aurora players who will be turning professional, which is really cool. You have to think Morgan Turner uh, being on the NWSL shortlist is probably heading to the uh, top tier um, sooner rather than later. Um, whenever that next NWSL draft comes around, um, you know you gotta you gotta look at players who are going back to college and um, you know and, and then someone like Sarah Fuller who just announced that she's kind of foregoing her last year of eligibility at North Texas to focus on her studies and focus on sports management, kind of focus on her life outside of of what's happening on the pitch. So um, it's interesting to see who might be back for year two, but also what that roster turnover looks like because at this level we know that that turnover is is pretty prevalent and um you know so it'll be interesting to see the type of pieces they bring in if they go more local if they look outside if they continue to try to drive that combination um just more for uh you know sporting director matt pravatsky to to think about and of course head coach nicole lukic too when now you get a full year to try to formulate a roster for 2023 and scout and look at potential pieces it'll be interesting to see how things are you know Different, which things are different and which things are the same next year compared to this year for Aurora. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I think probably a lot of people that, that listen to this podcast know this, but in, in case they, they don't, and, and maybe they just sort of casually keep track of, of these different pre-professional amateur leagues. Yeah, I mean, at the end of a season, as, as far as I've ever seen, and I'm saying this as someone that's followed these sorts of leagues a lot um, and, and worked with the club in one, uh, at the end of these seasons, there is no guarantee that any of these players come back. There just Correct. isn't. I there's mean, no even if they like even if they tell you they're going to, because there's no money attached to them playing for you, there is no way of knowing. I mean, it, it, mm-hmm. you just don't know. You just don't know what, especially if they're from out of the area, and then you have all these other factors about you know going pro or playing for a team closer to where they go to college or whatever. All these sorts of things, you just don't know. So. Um, yeah, I mean, we might see a very different group next year. We might see a, a familiar group. It's it's hard to know. Um, I, I do think that, you know, for the folks that obviously were investing their time and money into this team, the thing to be to be optimistic about is that, you know, th- this organization has clearly shown the ability to put together a good roster. So whatever the case proves to be in terms of the, the retention and all that, um, if you're someone who's, you know, if you're a supporter of this team and you're, you're someone who's hoping for a good year next year and, and all that, um, 
I, I think you have every reason to still be optimistic about that, regardless of, you know, if it's the exact same group or a similar group or not. Um, but yeah, you know, this might be the last time uh, we see a, a, a chunk of these players in the uniform. I mean, that that's how it works. Mm-hmm. Even with the best sides, you can't always get everyone back the next year. So um, it'll be interesting to see. But again, I, I would have a, a fair bit of faith in, in the organization to figure that out, whatever the, uh, the case may be. Either way, anyway, all in all, huge congrats to Minnesota Aurora, everyone involved, owner Andrea, owner and founder Andrea Yoke, uh, Matt Pervatsky, as we mentioned, Wes Berdine, um, all the all the players, head coach Nicole Lukic. I mean, everybody involved with that with that club should be very very proud of the work they've done in this first year. And as we've sort of alluded to, this, this is only the beginning of what is hopefully really really. Um, long-term strong women's soccer presence and it, it'll be interesting to see how, how that evolves i mean there has been talk in wsl it's talking about expanding um and you know minnesota has been has been brought up as a market in certain instances and obviously aurora has sort of made the blueprint now whether aurora becomes that professional club is a totally different conversation because there are certain ownership standards um, and with Aurora's community ownership model, the way it stands right now, they would not be able to enter the NWSL or the USL Super League or any of those professional leagues because of the ownership standards that are in place in those leagues. So um, I think it's it's past time that those standards change and community-owned teams can have that opportunity to be professional. Um, so we'll see if, if this sort of has any impact, if what Aurora has done has any impact on whether or not that happens in the shorter term. So a team like them can become a, uh, a, a professional club, but all in all um, just a really good first year that will have positive ramifications, not only in the short term, but in the long term for, for soccer as a whole, which is awesome to see a team in our backyard making that kind of impact. All right. You can call this our 10 K coffee break because it's time to tell you about our friends over at night street soccer and coffee. Derek and his team at night street have been so great to us and we hope you can support them the way they've done for us over this past year. Night street is part indoor soccer facility, part coffee shop. You heard me right. You can get a pickup game in and get your espresso fix all in the same place. How cool is that? I have to say, I was lucky enough to sample some of the coffee you can get at 9th Street. My goodness, it's some great stuff. Derek is one hell of a barista, I'll just say that. Affordable weekly pickup is always available at 9th Street. You can reserve the field for your team, party, or group outing. And they always have something cool going on at 9th Street, including Minnesota United watch parties happening periodically for road games throughout the season. So make sure you check them out on IG and Twitter at 9th. Ninth Street MPLS. That's Ninth and Street, both spelled out. N I N T H S T R E E T M P L S on IG and Twitter. Look them up on Facebook and Google, or visit their website, NinthStreetMPLS.com. Just like the uh, social handles, N I N T H S T R E E T M P L S.com to sign up for pickup, reserve field time, or just learn all about our good friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South 9th Street, Minneapolis, or online at 9thStreetMPLS.com. Moving on now, though, to another team in our backyard making an impact, Minnesota United. No Emmanuel Reynoso, no Will Trapp, no Kervin Arriaga, no Ja'Cory Hayes, no defensive midfield depth, and you're missing your best player. But no problem, as they get outshot, outpossessed, 
basically outstatted in every single area of the stat sheet. But at the end of the day, they put two in the back of the net to Houston's one, and it's three big road points for Minnesota United. Dom, does the stat sheet impact the way you view this match for Minnesota in terms of, oh, Minnesota definitely should have lost. They were outplayed, but they just found a way to win. Or does that make you even, does that make it even more impressive to you? Does that make it even more of an accomplishment for Minnesota, considering all the absences, considering they sustained so much pressure, still able to get three points on the road in that circumstance? Yeah, I think, I think there's plenty of like silver lining uh, to that for Mm -hmm. me. I mean, United go on the road, they go to Houston, um, which, you know, is a team that's not having necessarily a great season, but has is a very talented squad. Um, mm-hmm. And you go very shorthanded, as, as you noted, a list of players, starters and bench players missing. Um, obviously, sort of the headline of all that being uh, Emmanuel Reynoso, who's, who's proven to sort of be the heart of this team, particularly in the attack. And uh, you go shorthanded on the road and you get a result, a reasonable result. Uh, you know, not only do you win, but it, it, it's it's a relatively, uh, how do I say this? I was going to say calm win. I don't think that's really the right word. But, you know, it, this wasn't a 5-4 goal fest of just messy defending no. and crap. You know, it, it, it was, you know, a, a, a relatively calm standard match that Minnesota United just figured out a way to win. Um, yeah, the stats were not all complimentary, but, you know, that's going to happen sometimes when you have those factors behind the scenes. And uh, I, I do think it's very encouraging that, you know, in this game, we saw a, a number of either sort of bench or backup players, but also players that are starters, but not necessarily the starters we talk about. I'm sure we'll bring this up, but, you know, Juan Juan is an example of, of that for me, a guy who has been starting recently, but is not usually the one making the headlines uh, to, to see a, a range of those sorts of pieces step up and get that that win uh to me is actually a really encouraging um performance from minnesota united and and from a united side that through this season there's been a lot of criticism about you know how the team changes when substitutions are made how the team starts matches how it ends matches all these sorts of things that have there's been sort of this volatile up and down about to see them have an extreme version of all those challenges happening and figure it out and get a win is, is wonderful. And and wonderful, by the way, to see the the investment in a young talent, like on one, kind of uh, uh, take physical form and within one match in the sense of him getting that first goal and and another assist. Uh, So, yeah, you know, I I think Minnesota United walked away happy with this game, both in terms of the scoreline, but also in, in the sense that they came in with a sort of an underdog situation Stats didn't necessarily go their way, but it didn't matter in the end. They took their chances and, and they got those three points. You know, obviously the big spotlight was on Reynoso being out, deservedly so. He's been the you know the team's the team's most important player. Um, but there have been so many other guys contributing in the attack that to me I was more focused on how this back line would hold up when you're basically playing. And again, no disrespect to Robin Loder, Joseph Rosales, but you're playing your second string defensive midfield. In this particular instance, right? Um, with no depth, right? Because you're missing Jacory Hayes as well. Right. So, um, you know, credit to Adrian Heath for switching up the formation um, and and giving uh, Nabi Kimaguchi his his debut. Uh, pretty big spot to to yeah. throw a guy in like that. 
But I was looking more at, okay, you're missing a, you basically have your second string defensive midfield out there. Um, I don't think you're going to have that same defensive midfield impact that you normally have when it's trapping Ariaga um, in terms of snuffing out attacks and taking some pressure off the back line. So I, I kind of figured that there would be a lot of pressure on the back line in this one. And there was, I mean, look, you look at 22 total shots from Houston, um, but they stood up eight block shots for Minnesota on the night of a remarkable 35 clearances of those 22 dynamo shots. Dane St. Clair only need to make, only needed to make three saves. Hmm. That's, that's representative of a really step up performance from your back line. I've been very openly critical about the central, the interior of this back line with Michael Boxall and Bakai Debasi um, over the course of the season, but both of them stepped up in a big way, arguably the team's two most important players on Saturday, helping them get the job done. So that was, I mean, when, when you're, when you're only at 27% possession, um, you know, it, it's, that's an indicative of a lot of pressure being put on the Minnesota defense, but they stepped up in a big way. And uh, you know, in, in my opinion, without that, without that backline performance, this, this could have been three, four goals for Houston on the night, but they stepped up huge making clearances, blocking shots. Um, Dane St. Clair made a few good saves as well. And that's a big reason why you get that two to one win. Uh, but we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the cataclysmic event that was Bangakuli Klangwane's first goal in a Minnesota United uniform. I was in the press box at TCO for the Aurora match, and suddenly I just see my feed come up with <laughs> Bangi Madness on Twitter. Um, I knew something special had to happen. And what a goal for Bangi. Yeah. He's 1v1 on the right, just makes a nice cut to his left to get the angle, and tucks in a scorcher of a left footer. Um, nothing Steve Clark could do about it for Houston. And that was really the tone setter for Minnesota from an attacking perspective, an important goal for them as well, because obviously they would need that insurance goal that put them up two nil at the time. They would end up obviously needing that insurance goal with a two, one win. But I mean, fi it finally happens. Don, we were talking about how he's done everything, but put the ball in the back of the net. Um, he finally does. Uh, what was your, uh, I guess, initial reaction to the goal? Oh man, I was just so happy. I, yeah. I, as soon as I went in, my first word is like, oh man, I hope, I hope they're not going to like call it off for some, like, I, I hope there wasn't <laughs> yeah. some sort of weird offside or There's something. A foul before the shot or yeah, something. Yeah. I really hope this counts because it was, it was so <laughs> great. And, and yeah, I, I, I was so glad that obviously, you know, this guy's worked very hard this season. He, he's mm -hmm. had to make a big step up to be playing at this level with this team at a consistent pace. And he's tried hard. He's got some assists. He's been, I would argue, unlucky to, to not have a goal already, especially Agreed. kind of early in the season. He had a run where he, he had some very close chances. And I, I figured the way that luck and this sort of thing goes, I figured he was finally going to get a goal and it was going to be like some really forgettable tap-in or something, you know, mm -hmm. in, uh, you know, play, playing, you know, against DC United, what, a week ago, that kind of thing, like adding one goal at the end or something against yeah. a tired, you know, a tired legs or something. For, for it to be a, a, a big goal, a very nice goal, a winning goal was just so great. And, of course, he had the assist uh, prior to that, the add to, really to the great. hype. So, yeah, a really great performance from him. I mean, he really did step up in a game where, obviously, some of the, the core attacking pieces for the team were not available. Um, 
I, I think, and I don't think anyone really disagrees with this, but but I just think it's worth saying. I genuinely think Lanwane has had a really good first season in MLS, particularly given the context of the jump he's making. I think that he's shown a lot of quality. I understand there's things to work on, but I, I think we've even seen within the season him work on those things and improve on them, which is very encouraging. That's often, that's kind of what tends to split talent levels is how quickly they can adjust uh, when they need to. And, and I, I have seen that from him. I'm really encouraged by, by what I've seen in, in 2022. I, I hope the team stays invested in him because I think with more time uh, could really, really be a player. But yeah, just really cool. Just his celebration where he did like a little kind of bird thing with his hand. I don't yep. know what that is, but Me I think either. It's great. It's like a chicken it's celebration, great. if you will. Yeah, it's great. And it's him. And that's his thing now. And I hope he does it other times he scores. Um, yeah, it's just great. It's re- obviously there's a lot of like sort of social media fun and games about this, but like genuinely at, at, at the soccer level, this, this is the kind of guy that you like to see a team invest in and, and really give a try as a project. And it's great to see, uh, at a personal level and, and at an organizational level to see that pay off in, in a very direct way like this. And you see him get that goal, which I'm sure means a lot to him as, as a forward who, whose job was to, to be involved in the attack so yeah it, it was just it was good vibes it was all good vibes and uh and, and vibe. i think minnesota i mean minnesota's been on a good run but there's been a lot of sort of background ups and downs even in that good mm-hmm. run and i think i think minnesota needed a night where it was just good vibes all across the board mm-hmm. about like hey that was that was awesome yeah. that that was a great game that was a great win so yeah congratulations to him on, on the first goal we're seeing this Loons team develop a level of consistency over uh, a five-six match span that we haven't necessarily seen. I think in the past mm-hmm. with Minnesota United, we kind of we talked about this a little bit last week. How they would, you know, last few years they've really what's propelled them into the playoffs has been those spurts of really brilliant play over maybe a two or three match span. Right. Um. And then it would sort of be a downswing for a while, but then they'd have another one of those spurts that would get them right back up. You know, they, you know, win, win two in a row, you know, get, get seven out of a possible nine points in one, one span. And then, you know, lose three straight and then win two straight. And then, you know, go on a run of draws. And it's just like, it's just this big roller coaster. But finally we're seeing this level of, uh, of consistency with this club that I think is, is really encouraging. Um, not only from just getting results, but quality of play, mm-hmm. right? It's one thing to, and, and Saturday was a great example of grinding out a result and finding enough quality within the match to get it. Um, and that's crucial to any any team. You need to kind of grind out those results, especially on nights where um, everything seems to be working against you. Very impressive. But all in all, this has been, this team is in, pre- in impressive form. Right. It's not like they're winning a ton of matches against the run of play or anything like that. Like they are they are in very, very good form right now. So many other so many different guys are contributing. I think their confidence and swagger is kind of at an all time high right now. There's a lot of good things happening. But I think the real measuring stick for that comes Saturday, because Mm. on Saturday you're hosting a Portland Timbers team that's on 
an equal, I would say an equally impressive run. They don't have the string of wins that Minnesota has, but they haven't lost since before the international break. And they have 13 goals. Minnesota United has 14 goals in their last six matches. Um, Houston has 13 in their last six. So, you know, just as impressive a run, two teams that are really kind of trending the same way at the same time. Timbers are obviously an MLS institution at this point. Um, this is this is the big measuring stick. This is the thing. It's on national TV, ESPN. Obviously, player availability is going to factor big into that. Is Ray going to be available? Is Ariaga going to be available? All of that factors in. But this is a huge opportunity. We talk about statement wins. And Minnesota United has gotten a couple in this run. I'm, I'm not going to say they haven't. But on national TV against a team like Portland, this is a big opportunity to really solidify yourself as, okay, we're third. We're going to stay third. Like we're, we're in the top tier of the West. We plan on staying here. Getting a big result on Saturday could go a long way to doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's an interesting matchup. You know, as you noted, obviously Portland, a, a very uh, reputable team within this league. Um, you know, Minnesota in, in the last year or two has, has actually come out on top almost always in, in this matchup with the exception, of course, of that. Um, that playoff loss recently, but mm. you know Portland have a lot to play for here, being on the edge of the playoff zone, uh, and and so on the one hand you think, well, Adrian Heath does seem to kind of have uh, the answers when he plays Portland recently, and that's encouraging. By the other side, you think, well, Gio Savarese is going to really want to win this game, yeah, and uh, and he's got a good group and he's a good coach, so. It, 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 it leaves a lot of questions. It'll be a very interesting match. It'll be a, a big test, needless to say. Um, but it's it's another it's another must win because the West right now is so tight points wise. And you know, Minnesota United are, are having a good run and they're in a really good place. I don't want to pretend that's not the case. They're in third. That's amazing. But the asterisk to that is that this conference, with the exception of maybe the top spot is so dense right now. It's so it's so dense with points. I mean, I think we talked about this last week, but actually in both conferences, even the teams at the bottom of the two tables right now are in realistic distances to the playoffs. Like, yeah. it, it, it's, it's really not a given that even the teams deep into the playoff picture right now will be in the playoffs just because of how dense the point counts are. So Minnesota should feel really great about the place they've gotten themselves to, but especially in these sorts of games where you're playing a team that, oh, and by the way, I, I believe Minnesota United only play West Conference teams for the rest of the season. So it's going to be uh, a lot of that. A lot of six players uh, in there, if you will. Yes, exactly. So it's not just dropping points. It is directly helping the teams that are trying to lap you. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a big game. It's a big game back home, uh, you know, in front of the fans. Uh, reason to reason to believe the loons will step up, but but obviously with Portland with Gio Savarese, you 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 really can't assume uh, anything against that team. So uh, it is it is great you know to see the team get to this point in good form. You mentioned you know this popped in my head. You, you obviously mentioned the back line against Houston. You know Debassi obviously got uh, a contract extension that that news broke mm-hmm. uh, this last week. By the way. Credit to Minnesota United for deciding to release contract extension news at a much better time than the last time they announced contract extension news. <laughs> um, yes. But uh, the timing—the timing was much improved. Uh, but 
So, you know, you got a lot of players in good form right now. That's what you need against a team like Portland. Uh, but yeah, then, I mean, it, it, it's going to be a, a big game against a team that, that loves to step up in big moments. So it'll be a really interesting test uh, for, for Adrian Heath and the Loons. And, and of course, there's, there's some, uh, uh, some, some question marks in the air just about, you know, who will be available. Obviously, some, some players that it's not clear yet. So yeah, a, a big one. Uh, as simple as it gets, a big game. There, look, just looking at this Timbers team, you know, traditionally they have really, I mean, they have some standout players, obviously, Sebastian Blanco uh, being one of them. But this year, there's really no one player that has really stood out. It's mm-hmm. been a, a very much a team effort from yeah. Portland. I mean, you look at you look at their leading goal scorers, Arsla and Nizgoda, eight goals on the year. Okay, that's that's pretty good. But then you got uh, Asprio with five, Tuilomo with five, Charo with four, Moreno with four, Blanco with four, or Blanco with three. You have a lot of guys contributing. Charo mm-hmm. and Blanco both have seven assists to their name this season as well. So this is a team that knows how to get other guys involved. And similar to Minnesota's run recently, there are a lot of different guys that can beat you. Uh, if you're Minnesota from an attacking perspective. So it's going to be important for the Loons, I think, to, to lock down defensively. It would be really great to have Kervin Ariaga back. They can get back in the 4-2-3-1 with, with you know, maybe the two, um, uh, the two Hondurans there um, in, the, in the defensive midfield. Um, but all in all, this is, this is going to be a test. But I think it's it's a test that you know we're we're excited to see as Minnesota United fans how the loons kind of fare in this type of measuring stick matchup. Now, if they don't if they don't get three points at home on Saturday, I don't think it's the end of the world. But it's a great opportunity to make that statement, and I think that's the that's you know one thing that we want to see from this team is continue to make those statements uh, and solidify yourselves as a as a talking point around the league. Um. Speaking of around or speaking of other talking points for Minnesota United, as we mentioned, Jacory Hayes rolled out for the season with a broken leg and the Everton friendly broken tibia and fibula. That's super unfortunate um, for Minnesota um, and unfortunate for him. Obviously we hope that he, uh, he comes back, um, you know, better than ever and, and, and recovers and, and gets back to hundred um, percent. Tom Bogert also recently reported that Minnesota is in talks to sign Jonathan Gonzalez from Monterey in league MX. Uh, the 23-year-old has repped the U.S. youth teams, Mexican senior national team, has over 100 caps with Monterey, um, and he spent last season with uh, on two sort of uh, loans uh, to um, Nicaxa and uh, Carataro. So this is a guy who's you know he's very seasoned in Liga MX for a 23-year-old, um, and somebody he's a midfielder, is attacking midfielder. So uh, or excuse me, I think he's a defensive midfielder actually. Um, but, um, you know, he's, he's a guy that has experience, you know, people like to compare league MX and MLS. And to me, I think they're kind of maybe, um, you know, pretty, pretty level at this point, I guess the all-star game may be a, a, a indicator of if either of those leagues are uh, head and shoulders above the other. Um, so this is a, you know, and he's a young guy. That's one thing I think Loons fans have been clamoring for, you know, even after the Benitez signing, you know, they see 28 year old, it's like, okay. Can we go a little bit younger with some of these signings? Can we sign more long-term type players? Well, we, we talked about Mender Garcia last week. This is another younger player who could potentially have a more longer-term impact on this club. Um, what are your initial thoughts on this potential rumor, potential signing for Minnesota? Yeah, uh, it's interesting connection. You know, um, the, this last 
uh, I say last year, but it, it, this last 20, end of 2021, start of 2022, uh, he had a little bit of a, of a quieter spell with, with two other clubs on loan, as you mentioned. Um, and so, you know, if Minnesota did pick him up, it, it would part of it would be that it does seem like he's not quite in the picture for Monterey anymore. Um, but sometimes that's a good time to pick somebody up, obviously, you know, with his youth far from uh, far from the end of his story. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's a talented guy. He's, he's got minutes with, with, with two national teams, uh, El Tree more recently. Um, you know, it, it would be it would be interesting. You know, we've seen Minnesota United, as you kind of mentioned, connected to a couple of younger players, a couple of players that play in that sort of midfield or uh, or, or front line or wing kind of those different areas. So. Um, yeah, this is another interesting, interesting connection. The fact that, that Tom Odard is the one reporting it makes me feel like there's probably some, some reality behind it, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, it, it's an area that Minnesota, you need to invest in long-term. You got uh, a lot of players, a lot of midfielders right now that are not, do not seem to be deemed starter quality in terms of they're not starting games. Uh, and, then, and then we have some players that seem like they're probably not long-term going to be with the team. And, and so uh, it, w- it would be great to see them invest in, in, in a key piece. Maybe maybe Jonathan Gonzalez is the answer to that. But uh, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see uh, how the team continues to operate in the transfer market. Yeah, and only a, a few more days to make that happen too. So um, yeah. we'll see what uh, what Adrian Heath and co. are able to bring in before the, uh, the transfer deadline. We'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence Homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard Loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at Soda Soccer. See, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area, and he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the Twin Cities soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com and 10,000 pitches. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, he's also helped countless people in and around the Metro buy and sell their homes and has made them very happy as a result. But don't take our word for it. Just listen to what Kate W. had to say. She said, quote, Nate was excellent to work with. He's down to earth, approachable, not pushy. We developed a great rapport with Nate and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to pencehomes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at nate at pencehomes.com. That's P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Also, make sure you let him know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's pencehomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. That's it for Minnesota United News. Now we're going to go back to the lower leagues into the NPSL. And it was not the weekend I think we were hoping for from an NPSL <laughs> North standpoint. Uh, both Med City and Duluth fall in the Midwest Regional semifinals. Uh, Med City falling to Cleveland SC 2-0. Um, they were missing some key pieces in this one. Uh, Midwest Region All-11 candidate Andres Garcia. Uh, but still the end of a historic year for the Mayhem. Um, Med City's first ever Midwest Regional semifinal appearance as well. So big congrats to them following up that conference title with uh, making a little bit of history on the regional stage as well. Um, and Duluth um, went to went on the road to Muskegon, uh, who were hosting the tournament, and they fell 5-2. Uh, the Blue Greens were up 2-0 early on, but just couldn't withstand uh, the Muskegon onslaught after that. The Riser scored three in the second half as well to earn that win with Vitalis 
Takawira with four goals. So more uh, more than a hat trick for him. Um, so that means the blue-green season ends in the semifinals as well. Um, and just to wrap up the weekend, it was Muskegon denying Cleveland their third straight Midwest regional title, uh, 1-0 the final in the final. So um, congrats to Muskegon. They're moving on to the NPSL national playoffs while uh, while Duluth and Med City's seasons unfortunately come to an end in the regionals. Um, you watched these matches, Dom. What were your uh, what were your takeaways? Yeah, you know, I, I I stand by my thought that these two teams could have gone far. Uh, I think that unfortunately they both had really rough nights dealing with absences, dealing with. It did feel like both teams had a certain uh, fatigue behind them uh, that the other teams did not. You know, Med City, I thought, played a very solid game. They got unlucky to concede early with a, an own goal, essentially a deflected cross that went in the net to make it 1-0, and then it stayed that way for, for a while before Cleveland got the second one. Um, I thought Med City played well. They had really good stints of possession. I think the fact that they were missing Andres Garcia, who uh, was the, the highest scoring player in the NPSL North this season, uh, who unfortunately, I, I don't recall whether we reported this or not, but for those that don't know, he he uh, played their second to last regular season game against Duluth, and he scored the goal that essentially won Med City the, the conference, but he got injured while celebrating the goal. And got subbed off in the first half, and he hasn't played for them since. He missed the game against Joy as well. Um, and, and so not having him to finish those chances, it, you know, you could feel that there was just something missing uh, when they would get the ball in the box. And, and, and I think they suffered from They had a couple other players that also were unavailable. That being said, good performance. Cleveland, of course, a very good team. They, they showed up and did their thing. Um, I think for Med City, you know, there's going to be the aspect of they feel like they probably could have done better. They probably could have gone into the final uh, on another day. Uh, at the same time for them, they have by far had the best year this club's ever had. Uh, this is their first semifinal appearance ever. Obviously, they won their first conference title ever uh, just a, a week or two before. So, you know, they should feel great about what they were able to do for the city of Rochester this season and for this club. It did not end on a great note, but, uh, you know, uh, akin to what we were saying about, yeah, you know, I mean, very different contests, but akin to what we were saying about Aurora, the fact that it ended on a on a tough note should not make them feel bad about the great year that they've had. Med City had a fantastic right. season. Um, talked to a couple of, of their their players after uh, this this weekend of games, and and I, I think they all felt very good about the year they had too. So, um, yeah, you know, tough tough way to end. I don't think they played a bad game. I think they played a good game. I think Cleveland just got lucky with that first goal and then uh, did well to defend their lead and, and, and find the second goal. So it, it is what it is, but uh, what a year for Med City. On ter in terms of Duluth, you know, this game started very, very competitive. It was 2-2 at halftime. Duluth took a 2-0 lead, and then um, Stephen uh, got a penalty to, to have that lead, and then they, they got a goal just before halftime. Um, you know, I, they... I think what won Mesquite in this game was that they, at halftime, I think at halftime, it might have been during the game, but at about the halfway point of the game, they identified certain spaces that they were clearly beating out the Duluth defense, um, particularly with Takawira. Uh, almost, 
all of their goals. I would really say there was only one goal that was not the result of a counterattack or a or a counter akin series of plays. Um, Mastidin read the situation very well. They defended well. Their goalkeeper did well, and they just did a fantastic job of placing their players and placing the ball in the best way possible to take advantage of of what what ended up proving to be some heavy legs on, on the Duluth back line. I think Duluth definitely looks like the team that had played uh, four more matches than Muskegon. Um, when you combine the the uh, longer regular season that Duluth has, and of course the fact that they had to play the quarterfinal, um, yeah, you you could I think you could see that, uh, which you know is no one's that's not an excuse. That's just it's a factor. Uh, and, and Muskegon just played a fantastic game. Takarira again, I mean, just completely showed up every time he had to place the ball perfectly every time he uh, he scored the penalty as well. But then uh, three goals from open play. Uh, and yeah, you know, Duluth, it, it's a tough way to end the year. Um, the scoreline particularly obviously does not look very good. Uh, they, they've had a great year. This team, you know, should probably f- feel unlucky that they didn't end the year with some sort of silverware, but that's the way it works. Uh, I, I also talked to some of, the, of, of their players and personnel a- after that weekend, and, and they seemed to feel positive about the fact that they had a good year with a good group um, and, you know, good year for for a a developing coaching staff and so on uh so you know it's a tough note one to drop the conference sort of at the end and and then lose this game this way but i do think that uh that duluth uh should should also be happy maybe not the way med city should be but they should be happy with the year that they've had they should be happy with the way that the project with sean morgan at the helm is continuing to develop obviously making it further than last year and putting together a really good group that had really good runs uh, so yeah, you know, for both teams, it's just it's it's a rough way to end. Um, played really good teams who had less less weight on their legs from from the regular season, and uh, unfortunately, they they just uh, they couldn't quite get across the line. I did not watch the final Mystique in Cleveland because I didn't want to pay another ten dollars to just watch a game. That <laughs> was um, so Man. shout out to making people pay for a YouTube link, but uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, congrats, Muskegon. For, I believe that would be the – yeah, I mean, it has to be the first regional title as far as I, I would think. Uh, they, they only joined the MPSL a couple of years ago after after the North was already formed. Yeah, so I think, you know, just in general, it was a good, it was a good year for the Midwest region. I, I think, you know, all three conferences had really entertaining seasons, and um, I, I'm encouraged by, uh, by the, the progress of, of, of soccer in the MPSL in the area. I think it was great to see – you know, you have Muskegon have, have make a little history for them. Med City makes a little history. You see Cleveland continue to be sort of the sort of little dynasty in, in the midst of all that. So uh, very encouraging and, and looking forward to, to how that all takes shape next year as well. Coming down to the end of the regular season in the Wapassel, the Wisconsin Primary Amateur Soccer League. And here's how things are shaking out. So results this past week, big win for Hayward Wolfpack. Blasting Bateau, 6-0. Um, and this makes this final weekend very, very interesting. Uh, Bateau and Lobos could have really solidified their their spot in the in the championship, but um, it's going to be it's it's still a four horse race. Hayward beats Bateau six nil. Union Eau Claire and Lobos draw two two. So Lobos lead the conference table by one point. Bateau and Hayward are tied for second at twenty four. 
But the big caveat here is Lobos and Bateau still have one game in hand over Hayward. So Hayward and Union will each play one more match. Bateau and Hayward have two more matches left to play. So they can really solidify that top two with that game in hand. But Hayward and Union still within striking distance. Um, it's Mally Loomsden who leads the Golden Boot Race with 24 goals and two assists from eight games, averaging three goals per game. David Ripplinger from Bateau is next with 13 goals and six assists. So it's going to be Loomsden who gets the uh, the Golden Boot, uh, barring some crazy 11-goal uh, output from Ripplinger down the stretch here. Um, so that's, that's, uh, that's really cool. Um, but yeah, very, I mean, it's the Wapassel has been interesting all season long. So why not have it come down to the final week? Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, really cool to, to see, uh, you know, Hayward and union kind of find ways to, to, to stay in the mix there. Hayward particularly, uh, you know, I, I, uh, at the start of the season or rather before the season started, I was very encouraged by the fact that that, uh, Hayward had picked up Mally Lumsden because he's a very good striker. And I mean, he's got MPSL experience. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I frankly thought that that and some other pieces was going to get them, uh, further quicker. It didn't work out that way, but he's certainly having a fantastic individual season. Uh, and, and Hayward's still in the mix, you know, Lobos and Bateau have that advantage of having that game in hand, but it is very possible that, that Hayward do win this, or at the very least, uh, you know, have some sort of way to, to get into that, that, uh, championship game. So, um, yeah, re- really, really encouraging to see this stay entertained really right to the end. Um, I think it's really great that the, the, the WPASL is at a place now where there are a couple teams that, you know, are, are struggling to put together good seasons, but you do have a, a pretty good crowd now of teams that are competing with each other, uh, which is great to see. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, uh, a massive applause, uh, still some time to make it even better, but massive applause, uh, to, uh, to Mali for for the year he's playing together, um, really blowing blowing the competition out of the water, at least in terms of that individual performance. So, uh, yeah, really really looking forward to particularly seeing how how Lobos, Bateau, and Hayward kind of finish out their years and who uh, who books their tickets. All right, so now let's wrap things up like we always do, Dom. Top four time, we each pick sort of two soccer stories that were interesting to us over the course of the week. And Dom, I'm gonna have you go uh, go first here. All right. Um, so my first one is going to be like a it's two it's a two on one. It's just a, a a quick double shout out to two um, NPSL alums. Uh, the first one is is Kapatu, who uh, some might remember. I, I wrote an article for Soda Soccer about him uh, at the start of the year or thereabouts. Um, at the time, he was uh, playing for a, a club in uh, Thai League Three, which is the third division in Thailand. Um, he is a, a Minnesota native. He's a Karen Minnesotan, and he, he's played for VSLT. He's played for Valora, Twin Stars, played for a couple different clubs here. Um, he's, uh, the news now is that he is, uh, you know, he's working on his plan for this next upcoming season, and uh, he's made a big step in that process, uh, playing in a friendly on trial with uh, uh, Kanchanaburi City, which is a, another Thai League 3 team. They played a, a tightly two team and actually beat them to one uh, and, you know, talked talk to him a little bit about that. seems like there's some, some good things on the move for him there. Uh, hasn't quite cemented his, his home for the season yet, but some encouraging signs. Uh, and then also just want to do a quick shout out to uh, a guy we haven't talked about for a little while, but he certainly made uh, left his mark in Minnesota and that's uh, Sydney Warden who 
uh, is is uh, prepping to to get on to his uh, his first D one season at the University uh, uh, Illinois Chicago, I believe his uh, UIC. Yep. Um, he uh, he spent the year with the the Erie Commodores, actually, for those that don't know, in the uh, the Rust Belt Conference, and uh, scored seven goals in ten games for them. They, the team itself had a, had a rough season, but he was one of the better performers. He actually made it into the the top ten scorers for the Midwest region, even though the team uh, finished quite low. Um, and uh, yeah, so he, he's you know looking to get that D one season under his belt and uh, and hopefully put together those final pieces uh, before going back and, and pursuing a, a path to pro soccer. So best of luck to him with that. Great to see him still figuring things out. Uh, and uh, that'll be, he has one year of, of eligibility at UIC. So that'll, that'll be sort of a, a one and done there, but uh, yeah, just uh, great to see him still at it and, and hopefully uh, hoping for the best in terms of uh, how that adventure goes for him. Very cool to see Sydney Warden still uh, making some noise in the Midwest region. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, even though it's not with uh, not with Duluth, obviously. Um, my first shout out is, of course, to the team that everybody is talking about in the world of American soccer right now, Sacramento Republic. The USL Championship side becomes the first non-MLS team since 2008. Shout out Charleston Battery uh, to make the US Open Cup final after topping SKC, who went nil nil through 120 and five four in penalties. In last night's semifinal, they'll now travel to Orlando to take on Orlando City in September's final after the Lions routed New York Red Bulls 5-1 to in the other semi. But man, what a feather in the cap for USL to get yeah. a team, uh, you know, to get a, a championship and a League One team, or I think multiple championship teams and a League One team into the quarters. Get mm-hmm. a, d- Just to get a championship team then into the semis is big enough. But then... You also take it even further, and USL is being represented in the final of the U.S. Open Cup. It's just, uh, it's an incredible story. Um, and while it is an incredible story, I, I'm, I don't think it's this gargantuan upset that I think people are making it out to be. I think a lot of people still think there's still this, you know, for lack of a better term, stigma around USL that it's a bunch of guys with day jobs uh, who are just playing soccer on the weekends. Like that's. That's not the case anymore. Like there are international top tier European clubs doing business mm-hmm. with USL for players now. Like there are, you know, Loose City, um, a handful, Sacramento Republic. There, there are more USL teams that have their own specific stadium than don't. Right. right. So it's just it's one of those things where USL is just continuing to climb that ladder, becoming more and more legitimate in the world of American soccer. Um, I didn't think it would be this year, but I definitely thought sooner rather than later we'd see a USL team, you know, get in that opportunity to play for the U.S. Open Cup Championship. Um, I, I didn't think we'd get it this soon, but it's not necessarily super duper surprising to me that a team like Sacramento has made it this far. There, yes, they have, you know, obviously, uh, objectively, they have upset quite a few MLS teams along the way to get here. But it's not this – it's being made to be like this David versus Goliath thing. And I know we all like to really root for the underdog and stuff, but Sacramento's legit. And USL Championship is a legit league that, you know, yes, they're a tier below MLS, but they, they shouldn't be just completely taken out of the conversation completely a bit about being able to compete for something like a U.S. Open Cup. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think th- this year, you know, you look at – Obviously, the, the run that Sacramento's made, you looked at, you know, what teams like Union Omaha were able to do. Um, 
beating multiple sides, two divisions ahead of them. Um, I think this year is providing a really, you know, powerful reminder of, of what, you know, in other parts of the world that, that uh, promotion and relegation are able to show, which is that those division lines don't always mean what you think they mean. You can, a really good team can be waiting just under the surface in that second tier. Um, you know, you see sometimes uh, in the Premier League, for example, teams that get promoted and then they finish, you know, somewhere between like eighth and 11th in the Premier League the next season. Uh, that, that, and obviously they add a couple of pieces to do that, but that talent is there. That organization with, pop, with potential is there. You're seeing that in the Open Cup this year. Really cool. Uh, quick shout out, just because I'd be remiss if I didn't, uh, to, to Damia Villader, who's a, a MPSL uh, North veteran, had played a, in 2019 with Duluth FC. He started this game. He's been a starter for Sacramento Republic uh, pretty much through the year, as far as I understand. Moved there from Union Omaha, where he won, uh, where he won League One uh, last year, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, huge congrats to him. Really wild for me to think that a guy that I like drove to the cross a long time ago is now in the Open Cup final. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, really cool. Really cool. I mean, I, I think just a great Open Cup in general for for lower league ad, uh, advocates. Yep. And uh, yeah, really interested to see how that Orlando uh, Sacramento final goes. goes rather. I think that'll be a, a really interesting match. Definitely. All right, Dom, hit us with your uh, second story here. Uh, my second is uh, is about Michael Vane, who uh, this last week scored twice in the Columbus Crew 2's 4-1 win over uh, the New England Revolution 2. The, those were his first two goals for the Crew 2 uh, this season. So his, his first and second ever MLS Next Pro goals uh, since moving to that team from Ford Madison. And uh, the Crew 2 uh, remain top of the East Conference with that win as well. So He's, uh, he, he's had a, an assist or two before this, but uh, a great game for him, uh, getting those goals, having a good season with the crew too, developing more as a player, and uh, just very encouraging to see. Uh, you know, a guy that has a lot of hype and pressure behind him, continue to develop and grow in the game, and he's got a lot of time left in front of him to, to move up the, the tier ladder, but, but finding his way in, in third divisions uh, still, and, and yeah, just really cool to see. A, a Minnesota talent uh, continuing to show up on the national stage. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really cool to see a guy, a guy like Michael kind of take that next step. Um, obviously, uh, you know his his departure in Madison has been, um, you know, people are intrigued by that. Um, yeah. And but he's really found a home with Columbus Crew too here and to get his first two goals there is awesome to see alongside fellow former Mingo Noah Fusan as well who's doing his thing um so yeah it's uh it's really cool to see him get that landing spot and start to really take advantage of that opportunity um my second story isn't even really a story but um for some reason a big topic of conversation on soccer twitter race recently seems to be like the best FIFA songs you know in addition to being one of the greatest video games just in general every year to come out uh, FIFA is always widely known for their their you know vast broad playlist of songs, not only that are popular here in America but elsewhere in the world as well, mm-hmm. right? Uh, very uh, very good broad playlist every year from FIFA. So people are like bringing up, okay, what's their what's their favorite FIFA songs? You know, 
um, or, you know, these are the best FIFA songs, you know, songs from FIFA. And people are bringing up a lot of, you know, from FIFA 14, FIFA 17. But I have a little bit of a an axe to grind here. From these oh. lists, I haven't seen anybody bring up Wave Your Flag by Kanan, which, in my opinion, oh. is the all-time greatest FIFA song from the FIFA World Cup South Africa uh, video oh. game in 2010. Um, just an incredible song. Um, but Dom, I'm going to hand the mic over to you. What is your, A, your favorite FIFA song and B, which FIFA game do you think has the best soundtrack? Yeah. So I I do want to say that's a good shout to uh, wave your flag. I hadn't even thought of that, but that, that is a, that is a really fun song. Um, you know, when I think of FIFA songs, the one I always think of first, and it's actually been in a couple of games, but I think it started in like 14 or 15, is 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 uh, Love Me Again, I think is the name of the song. I need to know now. Yep. Yes, that song. I, I don't even know much about that band, but that song is just like, that's FIFA music to me. Like, that is what I think of. It just, it mm-hmm. works it, the, as a menu sure. song. It works really well as a transition string song. It just, it sets a really fun, cool tone. That's what I always kind of think of as, as the great one. I know there's t- people have tons of opinions about this and, and there's people who probably will say that I'm, that that's not the best, but, but that, that song for me is it's, it's, there's just something sort of like fun, um, but like dramatic about it that fits really well with like playing video game soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah and, and also i guess like the whole like, like the sort of british pop rock sound works well with fifa i guess but um sure. yeah that, that that's the one for me i think that's the one for me is love me again which is by i should look at who it's by <laughs> which is by um john newman shout out to john newman oh there you go um my favorite soundtrack is it's probably fifa 17 Mm. Uh, a few songs, Be Your Love by Bishop Briggs, Colors by mm. Beck is always a banger, Don't Stop yes. Making It Happen by, by Group Love, uh, High and Low by Empire of the Sun, um, just a lot of really good songs on uh, on these FIFA soundtracks. Raging by Kygo, Way Down We Go by Kygo, um, yeah, just a lot, of, a lot of really good FIFA songs out there. Uh, but in my opinion, the one I haven't seen on there, which is my personal favorite, is uh, is Wager Fly. So that's uh, yeah, that's personal preference. Yeah, I yeah. guess I guess I'm not the be all end all on uh, on FIFA songs that I might want to think I am, but that's all right. All right, Dom. Well, I think that'll do. It. Was really good. <laughs> oh, Sorry, that's an incredible saying, song too. I, yes. I, I had FIFA 17, uh, and that song was great. Yeah, yeah, yes, I uh, I totally agree. All right, everybody, thank you so much for sticking with us. We appreciate it. If you want more 10K, head over to patreon.com slash soda soccer right now for edition of 10K Stoppage Time, where we 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 break a little news. We got a little bit of a scoop ski for you on another lower league soccer team who may be making their way into a top pre-professional league. So if you want to learn all about that, head over to patreon.com slash soda soccer right now. If you subscribe in the five dollar or greater range, you get that bonus podcast. But maybe if you just want to support what we're doing. Uh, you can uh, subscribe for as low as $3. So go ahead over to do that to support us and get that bonus piece of content. If you're just looking for the regular podcast, you will have another edition of that next Friday. Till then, enjoy all the soccer. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next time.